Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 222 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the trippy, psychedelic creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. This episode that I am literally recording for the third time. It is almost 1.30. I started trying to record this at 10.30. Holy crap. I live in a city and they have been doing construction. So the first time I tried to record this, It took all of my concentration because there was a jackhammer going. I kept starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping. Then finally it occurred to me that you can probably, it's not just distracting to me, but you can probably hear the jackhammer as well. So I just gave up. I just gave up and posted on Twitter like, the show's going to be late today. Damn it. The second time I recorded it was after the jackhammering. I got through the entire, everything I wanted to say. And then I realized it wasn't recording. So is this a Mercury retrograde thing? I don't know. I don't know if I can have the same enthusiasm for everything that I want to say. Because I've already said it. And this is the third time now I'm trying to do this. And uh, uh, I have places I have to be. My mind is a little bit discombobulated. And it's Mercury retrograde. So this show could just be a total, complete, hot mess. Let me begin so I can get this done as quickly as possible and relieve myself from sitting here recording this for the second time in its entirety. Okay, the name of today's show. This could be a very polarizing show. This could be the show where you decide you don't like me anymore, which I think the entire theme of April, which is God, I'm talking about God in April, It could be enough to make you not like me. This one might be the one that just tips you over the edge. Because today I'm talking about magic mushrooms, herbal witchcraft, and the plant-to-God ratio. I don't know what the plant-to-God ratio actually is. I just like the sound of it. So that's what I named the show. (laughs) The relationship of with plant medicine and human experience of God. I don't know how you want to quantify that, but that is a well-documented phenomenon that traces all through our history. People's experience of God through the use of entheogenic plants and mushrooms. Plants and mushrooms are two completely different things. Not everybody knows that. A lot of people think mushrooms are plants, but they're not. Mushrooms are not plants, and they're not animals. They're their own trippy, super fascinating category. It's, they're their own thing, and they're highly intelligent in a lot of different ways. I also want to give a huge disclaimer and say I am not a medical expert, obviously, nor am I an ethnobotanist. I am not even a certified hippie. I am, I am a hippie hobbyist. <laughs> hippie hobbyist, hippie, oh, hippie-ish. I'm a hippie-ish hobbyist. Hippie-ish hobbyist, hippie-ish hobbyist, Easter's on its way. I'm a hippie-ish 
hobbyist with a mad love for plants and a very special, deeply personal affinity for mushrooms, both of which run, my interest in these things run from the culinary to the medicinal and all the way over, sometimes on occasion, to the psychedelic, or as I'm going to refer to it today, the ethnogenic. Having said that, this episode is going to lead with a list of references, books and such, um, that I recommend for you to do your own research, should anything said here pique your interest, because I am not an expert. Um, so bust out a pen and a piece of paper, please, if you would like to catch these references now, or you can just listen back later, um, because I don't do show notes because show notes are time-consuming, and I like to spend my time doing other things. I create a lot of other things, and uh, I have a kid. I try to have a life outside of both of that, both of those experiences, <laughs> so I don't do show notes. Maybe one day I will have, like, a kick-ass assistant to do that kind of thing for me, but uh, I'm still a one-woman show because basically I'm a control freak. And um, so for now, no show notes for you. No show notes. So first, I hope you have your pen and paper now. I will list some references you may want to check out for further research, if anything I say here interests you. And then uh, after I do that, the bulk of the rest of the show will be entirely anecdotal. I'm just going to talk about some trippy experiences I've had over the years and out myself as being that kind of witch. So uh, just consider this a weird but hopefully fun little story time share. And if you're looking for professional advice or instruction, I suggest you look elsewhere. A couple of years ago, April 15th, 2014, to be exact, I did a podcast here called Astro Theology and the Original Passover. Um, and that's because I think it's very interesting. We're, we're Passovers this week right now, uh, which is partly why I bring that up. And that episode you can go back and listen to because I'm not going to repeat any of that here. And that's just one portion of the first book I'm going to recommend to you. Um, but basically, it that portion of it and that podcast episode, Astro Theology and the Original Passover, is about how, according to this theory, Passover is really astrological, and religion was built upon that. Interesting stuff. So the book that I got that idea from is Astro Theology and Shamanism, Christianity's Pagan Roots by Jan Irvin. Jan actually gave me this book himself over dinner at, uh, where were we? The Red Lion in Silver Lake. <laughs> because I had been listening to his show, Gnostic Media, and I'm, I'm interested in all of this stuff. And, and uh, that book is... It's very, 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 very cool. Very weird, very out there, but intriguing. Uh, and the bulk of the content of that book, well, not the bulk of it. The book actually, it's about both. Astrotheology, which is like theology, God's, God, religion stuff based on what's going on in the cosmos, and 
shamanism by way of entheogenic plants. Mushrooms, primarily. I think it just talks about mushrooms. So it's really about how religion comes from these two experiences of uh, astrotheology and then like plant medicine or mushroom medicine. Uh, there's a, a big, a, a bulk, I don't, I'm, is it the bulk of the book? I haven't read the book in a long time. You can get a really good representation of what that book is all about by going to YouTube and looking up a video that Jan created and posted on his Gnostic media channel called the, Phar- the Pharmacratic Inquisition. That'll give you a good idea of what that book is all about and why Jan believes um, astrotheology and magic mushrooms are responsible. They're they're pagan roots of Christianity. If that's a really long documentary, if you don't want to get that deep into it, you can also on YouTube look up Daniel Vitalis's talk that he gave called Santa was a shaman. Um, because Santa was a shaman. <laughs> Do I want to get into all of that right now? Reindeers, flying reindeers. Drinking shaman pee, Amanita muscaria. Hmm, hmm. Let's put let's put a pin in that. Maybe I'll bring it up later, so we can keep with the with the references here. Some other books worth checking out. This one I highly recommend to anybody who's into witchy anything, witchcraft medicine, healing arts, shamanic practices, and forbidden plants. There are three authors of that book. I can't pronounce any of their names, and I haven't written their names down, so just go to Amazon and put in Witchcraft Medicine, and it will come up. That book is awesome. It traces all of the uh, poisonous plants that witchcraft is famous for, the plants that can both heal and hurt you. Um, traces that through history, and it gives some really interesting... Um, well, some instruction, I would say. There's some instruction in that book. It's just going to teach you all about the medicinal plants of witchcraft, many of which are, are harmful, but it's fun to read about that stuff. Um, another book, the next three books I'm going to recommend are all really kind of about Christianity. The first is by Jerry B. Brown, Ph.D., and it is The Psychedelic Gospels, The Secret History of Hallucinogens in Christianity. Uh, The next is by Gordon Wasson, W-A-S-S-E-N. He actually wrote a lot of material about the roots of Christianity and religion stemming from the use of entheogenic mushrooms, including Persephone's Quest, Entheogens and the Origins of Religion. And then interestingly, Jan Urban, who gave me that book, he also gave me an earful about, <laughs> he doesn't like Gordon Wasson because he thinks, I don't, I can't remember exactly if Gordon Wasson betrayed John Marco Allegro or if he just stole his thunder, but it upsets Jan to think about it to the point where he actually named his son after John Marco Allegro because he has such an affinity for that guy and, and not Gordon Wasson. So if he were in theory listening to this, he probably would be like yelling at me right now. <laughs> like, don't mention them in the same breath. But I'm going to because these are the two most famous guys that have talked about 
Christianity's roots being in in theogenic mushrooms. Gordon Wasson and then John Marco Allegro, who wrote The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, a study of the nature and origins of Christianity within the fertility cults of the ancient Near East. Because I come from Christianity, I find these books very, very, very interesting. They're really far out there. They could be very triggering for some people. I don't know. Um, There's a lot of art throughout history that has Jesus and Christian imagery with uh, entheogenic mushrooms, like popping up all around. It's really weird when you start looking at all of the art. And I think a lot of the theory behind th- this is is based on some of the artwork that they've come across. But it's interesting too, when you think about pretty much every indigenous culture around the world, there's like a shaman who works with plant medicine, and then he imparts wisdom to the tribe. And it stands to reason that the the roots of Christianity might be like that too. And it might come into like, Taking communion, you know, now it's just a little um, innocuous, bland wafer that (laughs) the priest puts in your mouth when you take communion. But maybe back in the day, it wasn't. Maybe they were dosing you. (laughs) So you all had a religious experience together. I don't know. Or maybe it's symbolic of the relationship that the priest and people higher up in the church have with magic mushrooms. I don't know. Another book I want to recommend is Food of the Gods, The Search for the Original Tree of Knowledge by Terence McKenna, a radical history of plants, drugs, and human evolution, which isn't so much about God. The other books are. This is more just about human evolution, and it's a lot of wacky theory, but it's fun to read because Terence McKenna is a trip. (laughs) I am not recommending any of these books as scholarly evidence of anything, some are better than others Others that way, but I'm just, I'm mentioning them as a whole and suggesting them like as a batch of thought-provoking theory that may give rise to some ideas of your own if you're interested in this kind of thing. Let me too explain why I tend to say entheogen instead of psychedelic. So entheogen, that denotes a spiritual or mystical experience. So that like brings us around to God. Um, Whereas psychedelic is more like, far out, man, I've got nine arms. (laughs) It's very like, of course there's some crossover between the two, but There's a difference as well in the terminology. Uh, The word entheogen actually means God contained within or to awaken the divine within, which is what these substances do and uh, which is why we're talking about this stuff in this month devoted to all things God. And if you personally have no desire to ingest any kind of mind-altering substance, which I would argue with you every time you eat or drink anything, you are altering your mind and your body to some degree, but whatever. We know what I'm saying here, I think. <laughs> any, If you have no desire to ingest any kind of mind-altering substance, 
entheogenic or otherwise, but you're still curious about this, I also recommend checking out Don Jose Campos' book, The Shaman and Ayahuasca. Or you can just binge watch ayahuasca videos on YouTube. (laughs) There have been actually a few well-done documentaries on ayahuasca, and uh, those might be worth seeking out as well. Maybe more than just binge watching on YouTube. There's some pretty good uh, documentaries on that whole phenomenon. It's become very trendy to do ayahuasca. So that is the big bad reference list for today's show. It took me a second to get through it because I'm a rambler. Um, but you can read if you want to explore the archaeological speculation, research, theory, and whatever fact is mingled throughout that theory. Like, you can read about it. Um, Because I'm not going to tell you these things are facts, and I'm not even going to support the theory with with a full endorsement. I'm just going to say it's fun to read about this stuff. So now, we shall move on to the anecdotal story time portion of the show. (laughs) Let us begin with things I have not tried. I have said in my life and will continue to say a hard no to anything produced in like a chemical lab or anything too out there like cocaine or heroin or LSD, which I know some people would argue is is fabulous, but I'm not interested in LSD. I'm not interested in anything that could, you know, leave me jonesing on the street. (laughs) Not interesting. I've also never tried peyote, and although I do think that's fascinating. There is a whole religion. I feel like it's in New Mexico. There's a, a religion centered on the use of peyote, and it is It's a tax-exempt religion that is recognized by the United States government, which means its members get to get high at church. (laughs) I wonder what that's like. That's, hmm, that's worth contemplating. (laughs) I also wonder if experiences like that, if that's where we get the terminology getting high, like getting high, opening up the crown chakra, reaching for our higher selves or God. Could be. Makes sense to me. Um, Before modern industry started manufacturing like highly profitable and patented pharmaceuticals, which I'm not saying they're all bad because there's a place for them and they can be very healing in certain instances, but they often numb, suppress, or create a whole host of dubious side effects. They numb or suppress symptoms or, and or create a bunch of weird side effects that require more pharmaceuticals. It's, it's a, it's a money-making scheme sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Before that, plant medicine was the name of the game. And spiritual plant medicine, entheogenic plant medicine, was more about opening yourself up to the God experience than it was suppressing your body's messages. So I think they're two very different things. Um, Ramble, ramble, ramble. But I wanted to mention that. Um, As far as ayahuasca goes, the accounts that I've read and heard about, even though they are presented in the context of miraculous healing on both like psychological and physical levels, like people claim to have been cured from 
from deep trauma, PTSD, uh, or even cancer through the use of ayahuasca, which is, I think, why it's gotten so trendy. And there's just something that sounds glamorous about traveling to the jungles of Peru and meeting with a shaman and taking this plant medicine. Although, from what I understand, it's not glamorous in practice. It generally sounds both painful and disgustingly messy. (laughs) A lot of bathroom issues there uh, and puking. Um, Not to mention absolutely terrifying. Like, people have terrifying experiences on these subjects. So, I am never say never, but I am in no hurry to try ayahuasca. Just saying. I I don't need to go through all of that to have a spiritual experience. Uh, Also, I feel the same way about Amanita muscaria, which is what... It's the mushroom that all of that, you know, what I was talking about with the Christianity, the roots in Christianity, and how it's tied up with Santa was a shaman. That is the Amanita muscaria. People have horrifying experiences on that. I've read about them on the internet, and it's a, a huge deterrent to me, even though I do own a giant dried Amanita. It's awesome. I just like to look at it. I just like to own it. I am never going to ingest it. (laughs) Um, Let me quickly, in a nutshell, kind of tell you the Santa Claus connection here. The Jesus thing is a little bit different. It's about the Holy Grail and the cross, and that's very involved. Um, But the Santa stuff I can, in a nutshell, kind of explain to you very quickly. So the story goes like this. One day in Siberia... Some people noticed some reindeers munching on Amanita muscaria flyagaric mushrooms. Those big red mushrooms with the white polka dot that you see at Christmas time every year. The reason you see them at Christmas time is because of this story, supposedly. So they saw the reindeers were high. They were jumping and leaping and acting like they were high, so somebody got the bright idea to drink some reindeer piss. And they also got high. So the way it worked is that a shaman would drink the the reindeer pee after the reindeer was munching on some Amanita, and the shaman would get super duper duper high. Then someone else, like a step down hierarchically from the shaman would drink the shaman's pee and then someone would drink that guy's pee and then someone would drink that guy's pee and for like six or seven generations in everybody would get high until the active chemical had run its course and and the poor fool that that drank the pee and didn't get high he was just stuck with a mouth full of pee But each generation, it, was, it wasn't as strong. So it was like super strong for the reindeer and super strong for the shaman. And then it like weakened with each generation as they drank it. And that's why we have flying reindeer. And uh, Santa was a Siberian shaman. Siberian shaman. Say that a whole, it's like five times fast. Siberian shaman. So I know I didn't explain that well, but really that's like, that's like at the heart of that Um, I don't know if it's a legend or how much evidence they have to back that up, but it's really fun to read about. Haven't done Amanita, won't be doing it, won't be doing uh, ayahuasca, things like that. So my personal experience amounts to both smoked and eaten cannabis, as well as a very small handful of moments with salvia divinorum and 
psilocybin mushrooms. I don't smoke pot anymore, and I haven't for over six years. I talked a little bit about that on Patreon, but I will just mention it here in passing to say that, yes, I have smoked pot. I may have even smoked a lot of pot back in the day, and that my pot smoking career spanned somewhere between the ages of 23 and 37, off and on, depending on the year. Um, And the only reason I bring that up in this context is that there were times when I landed on a particularly potent strain of marijuana that had me connecting to the gods of, in, of nature in what felt to me like a very real way. So, like walking through the forest of Big Sur, I could literally feel, or it felt like I could literally feel, the pulse and breath of the trees and the earth below me, which created the distinct sensation of existing on a living, evolving, perhaps even sentient being, Mother Earth, the goddess. So it gave me like a visceral experience of God in that way. Other times I would be laying in my backyard and could literally see what looked like a super fine, shimmery glitter covering the leaves and flower petals and even the coat of my cats. And it, was, it's, it wasn't covering it. It wasn't like it was laid on it. It was like it was coming from within. These things just shimmered, uh, which really lent itself to ideas of interconnectedness and the animated energy of God. It felt very mystical, and I can still see it sometimes when I'm, I'm completely sober and just sitting in my yard. If I'm very, very relaxed, if I've been meditating, I can still see little hints of this shimmer, for lack of a better word. Uh, so even though marijuana isn't typically classified as an entheogen, people like to argue about that. It can sometimes give you very interesting and seemingly real ideas about God and magic if you're so inclined. And I will say there's a difference between smoking it and eating it like an edible. So um, because when you eat it, its chemical nature changes in your liver and it does create more of a kind of what might be referred to as a psychedelic experience. That's why people who who try it for the first time because it's been legalized in their area, they go get a bunch of edibles because they don't want to smoke it and they think the edibles will be more gentle, but then they end up eating too much and then calling the emergency room because they think they're dying. They're freaking out. (laughs) It's a totally different experience, two different experiences. Um, And that's important to know. Um, Beyond that, I have had two experiences with psilocybin mushrooms that are very, very memorable. um, But mainly they were like more heightened versions of what I just explained. So like creating a very peaceful but intense connection with nature and my cats. (laughs) But it's very gentle. Um, The first, and I know it's not like that for everybody. Uh, Some people say 
these substances, they just bring out whatever's inside of you. So if you're evil or if you have a lot of unconfronted shadows, it will like bring it to the surface for you to deal with, whereas someone else will do it and it's all like happy, love and light because, you know, squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. So squeeze a happy, love and light person, you get love and light. Squeeze somebody who has a lot of crap in their shadow and you get a lot of scary shit. I actually think plants, I think you could just have a bad trip. I have not, but I'm, I think plants, you know, they're not here just for us. They have their own life and they don't want to be consumed. They can kill you. There are plants that can make you very, very sick and plants that can kill you. They have their own defense mechanisms built in, even just on a uh, culinary level, like there are certain plants that you want to cook instead of eating raw because they have anti-nutrients built in that can harm your kidneys or, or your thyroid if you eat too many of them and um, because they don't want you to eat them. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, it's like, here, eat me. It's not really like that. It's not really like Alice in Wonderland. Eat me, drink me, you know. They can hurt you too. Um Oh, where was I? I don't even know. Okay, so the first time I did psilocybin mushrooms, I just ate it in a chocolate bar. It was very tasty. It was a very gentle, lovely, beautiful experience. The second time I did it was many, many years later, and I actually made my own tea, and I mixed it with mint, and it was also very tasty and a very beautiful, gentle but intense experience of nature. Uh... And what's fascinating about this is kind of like what I was saying about seeing the shimmer. Like once you see the world that way on psilocybin mushrooms, you never see it in the same way again. It kind of permanently, permanently alters your perspective. So the time I drank the tea, I went walking through my neighborhood in the evening and I, I one moment I was walking down the street and it felt like, the plants and the trees came alive, not in like a Disney kind of way, but it, like I felt their awareness of me. And I don't know if that was like, oh, oh, here comes another one. Be on your guard, you know, or if they're just like interested. I don't know. I felt like their awareness. And again, I felt that like breathing these things are alive sensation. And then I, I went and I sat under this big, eucalyptus tree that I love and I had this whole mystical experience of this tree to the point where now I walk by this tree all the time years later and um, every time I pass this tree I feel a kind of weird but cool connection to nature nature being alive and I can't tell you if that is delusion or fact because it's my experience. I'm experiencing it as being very real, but I don't know. Maybe some chip broke in my brain. Uh, it's a nice experience. It feels good, but I can't prove to you that what I'm experiencing is real. It's hard to tell when it's coming from your own personal experience. Um, another salvia divinorum I had a, a couple of experiences on. I went through, or a few, I should say. I went through a brief flirtation with it. I was very, very fascinated with it, uh, but it was short-lived because you can't really function on salvia divinorum, and it's a little bit harsh. Like, after you do a salvia divinorum trip, which it's a plant, um, 
you feel a little, it's not like a hangover, but you look in the mirror and you don't look great. You look a little haggard and you feel like you've been on a long journey. Um, but I'll just briefly tell you about one experience I had. I actually shared this on my channel, Major Arcana TV. And then I took it down shortly thereafter because that channel was the predecessor to Kick-Ass Witch. And all of those videos now, most of them have been set to private. Uh, but this one I set to private shortly after posting it because I don't know, I hit a nerve and all of these people were watching this video. Like it was just gaining numbers by the day. And I didn't like the attention it was getting. It was attracting a lot of like weird druggy talk, uh, I don't know, hippie druggy talk, you know, like people wanting to talk about the matrix, man, and compare their experiences and ask me questions or tell me how I'm doing it wrong or, and I was just like, do I want to be that person on the internet? And I was like, no, I don't. So I just set the thing to private. <laughs> um, but I'm going to mention it here because I have to in the context of what I'm talking about. This, the, the most profound experience I had on this. Well, when you do salvia divinorum, uh, let me give you this warning. People say you need to do it with a sitter because apparently there are reports of people like trying to jump out of a window or something. I don't even know how that's possible because basically... You have no awareness of your body, or I didn't when I did it. Um, you just need to lay down because you leave this reality and you go into reality that feels even more real than this feels real. That's the only way I can explain it. It feels realer than real. You, it feels like this reality is a dream and where you're going is is the real deal. That's what it feels like. It's very strange and you ha and there's no awareness of of whatever room your body is actually in. Um, so it's pretty hardcore that way. And then what also happens is you feel like you've been gone forever on this huge long journey and then like you get back. You wake up, you come to, the trip ends, however you want to put it, and only like a minute has gone by. <laughs> or a couple of minutes, and you're like, what? So it like really messes with your sense of time and space that way. Uh, but the most profound experience I had, I was super obsessed with and inspired by to where I like wrote, I wrote about it a lot. I painted it, I drew it, I incorporated it into this novel series that I have, um, and I won't be able to convey it to you in a way that I think that you'll totally get what I'm saying, but I'll just briefly say what happened is I was in outer space, black outer space with a bunch of white dots of light all around me, and the plant, Salvia divinorum, was there but I didn't see it. I was just aware that it was there and it was instructing me. And I was looking down at my hands and I had a glowing membrane sphere of light in my hands, like a globe, a globe, a glowing globe in my hands. And I, I was staring at it and I knew that this was my entire world. This was my whole experience of life that I was holding in my hands. It was my world and I was responsible for this world. And this voice of Salvia Divinorum, it kept saying, look up, look up. And it was hard to pull myself away from my world to actually obey the voice, but it, it persisted and insisted. So when I finally looked up, as far as the eye could see in every direction, 
it looked like it went on for infinity was row after row after row after row of people holding and staring into their own globe. It was very trippy. <laughs> and I had this whole like, this is the truth. We're all creating our own reality and responsible for our own reality and blah, 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 blah. It was very law of attraction-y kind of actually. And it very much uh, spawned my interest in plant medicine because it was profound. I will always remember it. it. It might be my most profound spiritual experience of all time, uh, which is weird to say about, you know, a substance, salvia divinorum, but it was so trippy. It was so wild. It was so real. Uh, and it, it definitely piqued my interest in plant medicine and magic. And um, that is why so this, this came long before I really started getting into witchcraft, but that experience is why something that's always baffled me about the witchcraft community is the distinct lack of information on these matters in your average book on magic. As a whole, the literature is pretty much devoid of any mention of entheogenic plants. There are definitely some exceptions like witchcraft medicine, that book is awesome. And then like older books. Uh, but in general, it's it's just curious to me that that piece would be missing because even more so than Abrahamic religions, you know, originating all the way back to somebody doing some kind of entheogenic plant at some point, surely, I believe for sure, like it must be true that witchcraft is directly linked to these plants. Uh, you know, when you think about the people that were, a lot of the people that were accused of witchcraft back in the day, they were midwives. Midwives used a lot of plant medicine and they were herbalists. And um, they didn't call themselves witches, you know, but they used folk magic and things like that in their practice. And they were very much associated with life and death. Like a midwife, you know, babies died, especially back in the day when they didn't have hospitals. Or even today with hospitals, babies die and mothers die in childbirth. So there was a lot of fear and mystery around these women. And then doctors came into the picture and they were the competition. And religion you know, organized, very controlling religions started getting more organized and more controlling. And these women became a threat in both of those regards. And I think the unfortunate circumstances of the witch trials and things like that largely come from these women and their connection to plants and men too. It wasn't just women that were uh, drowned or burned at the stake or accused of being witches or evil in that way. Uh, it was people that had a connection to plants, among other things, but plants primarily. So uh, I'm not saying you have to ingest these plants or mushrooms in order to call yourself a witch or to be spiritual, but I do think it's worth at least acknowledging that a lot of the wisdom that's been passed down through the ages regarding magic, shape-shifting, healing, and the gods whoever the gods may be, um, it was derived from someone having a chemically induced ecstatic experience. I believe that. that. I believe that to be true. 
Uh, it interests me interests me too that science has been conducting a lot of research lately on the power of DMT to assist the dying, to assist people who are afraid of dying. Um, I think psilocybin mushrooms, if I have this correct in my mind, psilocybin mushrooms have been um, they've been doing a lot of research on the connection to that healing PTSD and then DMT to assisting the death experiences for people. And uh, our own brains contain DMT. And research research suggests that our experience of life after death, which really just amounts to near-death experiences because we don't have documented, researched experiences of life after death. <laughs> we can only document the reports of near-death near experiences. It's attributed to the release of DMT at the point of death. Uh, and this comforting feeling of being connected to all things and connected to God that that people find very soothing on their deathbeds. Um, it's attributed to the DMT flood that happens in your brain on your deathbed. And I wonder, like, is this nature's way of sending us quietly into non-existence without fear? It's just like a hallucinogenic act of mercy. <laughs> so... Um, you know, for the atheists out there who think after this, there's nothing else, like maybe it's just an act of mercy that so we don't freak out at the point of death. Or, as I'm more inclined to believe, is there some truth being revealed there about, you know, what happens to us after we die? I don't think we get to know. I don't think we get to know until we know, and then we can't report back because we're dead. <laughs> There's a documentary that you can check out online called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Many of you have probably already seen it, but if you haven't heard it, DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Um, some people call it the God Molecule, and that's just a fun thing to do a little bit of research into or watch the documentary. Uh, and let me, to just come back around to this idea that plants and mushrooms can kill you. <laughs> this is not an endorsement of any of these things. It's just a fascinating conversation. Um, it's often said that a witch that cannot hex cannot heal, and I think that that is so true of plants. There is a fine line between a poisonous plant that, uh, in you, if used in the proper amounts can heal you and cure you or just flat out kill you if you if you're not if you don't know what you're doing um, and in fact I think that might be the original sentiment behind that statement a witch that cannot hex cannot heal because like I said I think witches are very much associated with these poisonous plants if you want to learn more about that check out again the book uh witchcraft medicine it'll teach you all about that stuff it's super fascinating and if you have no interest in like going there on a really deep like freaky level just check out San sarah ann lawless's store fern and fungi online fern f-e-r-n and fungi as in a fungus among us um she sells these flying ointments and she actually uses 
these um, baneful plants that witches are famous for. Belladonna, Datura, Henbane, Wolfbane. I have one of her flying ointments, uh, her Saturn flying ointment, and it has Belladonna, Henbane, and Wolfbane in it. These plants can kill you dead, but this is just a flying ointment, and it can be used as like a pain reliever or a meditation enhancement, and that's one way to experience these things without, you know, going off the deep end. (laughs) Um, And I just want to mention, too, that anytime you eat or drink something, you are changing the chemistry of your body and altering the state of your mind. So I'm not interested in teaching people about this, you know, medicinal plants. I don't have a degree to do that. And I I don't want to be responsible for, for people's lives in that way. But I have come to realize that like the food we eat literally like changes our bodies and changes our minds and changes our experience of life, which is why I spent so much time doing Sad to Sexy uh, and just teaching people like, you know, you can bring this down just to the basics of food or just basic kitchen witchery, you know, getting into your health and recognizing that like nature is very healing or harming, depending on how you look at it. And you can work with that just with the food that you eat, you know, and you have three opportunities, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day to work with that. Um, I also think there's just plenty you can do with exploring high quality herbal teas or tinctures in the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year. Every module has a potion craft, like a very simple, easy potion craft that you can make using just easy to acquire ingredients um, because I'm interested in this stuff. I just don't want to go like super far into it and make that, you know, everything that I'm about. It's just a personal interest of mine that I like to share sometimes. And I know I may have accidentally come off here as some like druggy hippie with loads of druggy hippie experience. But the truth is, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm a sober person. I rarely, if ever, even sip alcohol, which is not, it's really just because I'm gluten-free, so that gets rid of beer, and uh, I seem to be allergic. There are very few people that are allergic to alcohol, like the percentage, the odds of you being allergic to alcohol are slim to none, Um, so I'm thinking I might be allergic to histamines or something, because every time I try to drink, like, it seems fun to have a glass of wine. I get a few sips in, and then I feel like crap. So, um, yeah, <laughs> my, my experience of these things is largely culinary and medicinal. I am very much, though, into mushrooms of all kinds. I cook with medicinal mushrooms many times in the week. I, I work them into many of the dishes that I make, and I literally drink a medicinal mushroom brew every single morning. <laughs> Thanks to Four Sigmatic Foods. I will give them a shout out because I love them. I give them so much of my money. Four Sigmatic Foods makes awesome like coffee brews, uh, mushroom coffee, or just powdered mushrooms that you can put in your smoothies and stuff. But I think mushrooms are absolutely magical. Beyond ingesting them, I think they have a fascinating life of their own. And before I go, I'm about to go. This is about to end, I promise you. I have to, again, I've mentioned him several times before on the show, but I I have to mention the work of Paul Stamets, his book, and also a lecture you can find by the same name on YouTube, Um, Mycelium Running, is so worth checking out. 
He describes mycelium as the original internet connection. It's uh, kind of, you can think of it as like the roots of a mushroom. So when we think of a mushroom, we think of just the fruiting body that pops up on the surface of the earth. But below that, there's this whole crazy network that can cover like acres of land and, and wraps all the way around the earth. And he describes this as a kind of internet. It, they communicate with each other. Uh, oh, and I could just go off on how they work with trees. So like, oh, I can't even, I, I won't. Okay, I'm going to get too far into this. I, ha I, pull, I have a little book excerpt that I want to read to you, and then I promise I'll let you go. It is from Astrotheology and Shamanism. It's in the appendix, and it's called The Mushroom Speaks, and it's by Terrence McKenna. It's just a little paragraph I want to read to you because I think it's really fun, a fun way to close out the show. And uh, it's Terrence McKenna speaking as psilocybin mushroom. So pretend I'm Terrence McKenna, and then pretend I'm a mushroom. <laughs> he says... I am old, older than thought in your species, which is itself 50 times older than your history. Though I have been on earth for ages, I am from the stars. My home is no one planet, for many worlds scattered throughout the shining disk of the galaxy have conditions which allow my spores an opportunity for life. The mushroom which you see is the part of my body given to sex thrills and sunbathing. My true body is a fine network of fibers growing through the soil. These networks may cover acres and may have far more connections than the number in a human brain. My mycelial network is nearly immortal. Only the sudden toxification of a planet or the explosion of its parent star can wipe me out. Mushrooms are forever, man. <laughs> and until we meet again, much love to you, groovy witchy people. Peace.